to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Market of Choice is the proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace. Because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Market of Choice has been supporting local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores and that the majority of our purchases support a robust regional food system. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Meaningful Marketplace. We're really thankful for all of our marketing <laughs> choice friends and employees who are working right there now yeah, for us. So thank you, everybody out there. Uh, we really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining us today to hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. We're really glad that you're joining us live today. We're honoring our social distancing with each other and calling in for the shows. Since this is a live radio show, we think it's important in these kind of uncertain times for us to be here with stories of hope of all of our food friends out there and keep sending you guys messages of hope and we're glad you're tuning in today. So thank you. I don't have any food news today. Uh, nobody put in any submissions, uh, but I did want to send a special happy birthday message to my wonderful co-host, Sarah Masoni. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I guess I'd like to remind people if they want to order food boxes from Pacific coast fruit, you can do that. And also, um, Nikki USA and a third one that just popped up is Provista. Provista now has boxes and it's probably a good idea to start adding that to your shopping routine. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of people that are doing some innovative stuff out there and um, trying to keep supporting farmers, which is really nice. So um, there's, I saw some restaurants that were ordering produce from farmers to help distribute it. Um, Ava Jeans was one of them. Coquine was another one. So some of the restaurants are still getting produce from their farmers, but then you can pick up a farm share at, at, if you're picking up food too. So that's really nice. Yeah. And so I can, saw Pips Original has a new chai that they're selling, chai concentrate. Oh, cool. They like so people can make it at business. home. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is getting creative around here. <laughs> I want them to make gluten-free donuts. Uh, you should help them. <laughs> I bet if you come up with the recipe, they'll make it, Sarah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, we are joined today by phone with our pal, Genevieve Brazelton. She is the owner of the Bitter Housewives. Genevieve makes handcrafted small batch bitters and bitters and soda here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Genevieve. Thank you. Hello, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Yes, I'm sorry that we can't all share a beverage together, but you know, Aww. must do what we can. Well, that's I know that's, rain check. that's the thing I yes. guess about um, being in the studio. Not only do we get to see everybody and be around everyone, but we also got to try all of their products, and now we um, we just have to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look. Luckily, I've had years before, so I know I about have it. Too. <laughs> awesome. Good. So you at least kind of know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we um, want to help our listeners connect to you. So is there a good um, social media handles and ways people can find you online? 
Yeah, um, you can find us online at thebitterhousewife.com, and that's got all of our products, and we do sell direct, uh, as well as, you know, in many uh, grocery outlets around the city, Market of Choice, New Seasons. Um, so even even during the pandemic, you can still get bitters and bitters and soda. <laughs> Um, and as far as social media, uh, we've actually got two identities. So we're The Bitter Housewife on Facebook and Instagram, um, and we talk about everything that we do there. And then we also have a separate handle, Drink Bitters and Soda, that is just for our uh, zero alcohol, zero sugar um, canned bitters and soda. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Things that relate to that. <clears throat> so... I I just have to like break the ice with this question. Everyone's dying to know. <laughs> Are people really drinking more than normal during this time <laughs> of staying at home? I see lots of jokes about it on Instagram. So I'm wondering. Um, yeah, I mean, the the stats certainly say they do. Um, people are saying liquor store sales are up uh, across the country. Um, and lots of folks certainly seem to be documenting, um, making many more cocktails at home or even just, uh, more empty bottles of wine. Um, and we've seen, uh, we've definitely seen an uptick in, um, our direct orders of bitters. So I think that would point to, and most people are ordering like, you know, three and four bottles of bitters. So they're, they're planning to... (laughs) To make a few things, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, or that they're would, saving on shipping, but you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would it. usually either they're planning for long-term cocktails or they're just drinking a lot of them right now. <laughs> it's hard to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to mention too that I love that you guys have the um, bitters and soda cans for all of our friends who are not drinking out there because they're so good. Sarah, have you had there? I actually have not tried it yet. Yeah. Well, I did an event, I think right around the time that they were launching it or shortly after we did the, um, the James Beard Foundation dinner together. Right. Yeah. And so I got to try them and they are so good. Well, I'm going to pick them up. Yeah. I really love it. I I wanted to ask you about, um, the, why you have it as two separate businesses, the, um, the bitters, the bitter housewife, and then the bitters and soda. Is it, or is it two separate businesses or just two separate Instagrams? Yeah, just two separate Instagrams. It's all oh, okay. the same on the, everything is on our website and the, you know, the brand for the bitters and soda is still um, the bitter housewife. Um, but the reason we decided to do a different presence on social media um, was really just kind of a very conscious acknowledgement of knowing that we're, we have a non-alcoholic product that um, some folks don't want to, you know, see tons of cocktails in their images um, if they are in recovery, if they are choosing, you know, to abstain. Um, So we wanted just to separate that a little bit and, and make it, you know, talk more about what is the bitters and soda and, and why we created that separately. And, um, we may start doing some low proof cocktail recipes in with that, but mostly it will be a little bit more of the, the self care moderation, you know, that we believe in and it, spills over into the bitter housewife, but it, it lets people have a space that is a little bit more segregated if they want it. So that's nice. Yeah. I think that's really great because, and I think I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that because sometimes, especially in a city, I think like Portland, sometimes if you are trying to abstain from alcohol, I think you're really inundated, you know, like it's everywhere. We, we have all these breweries and all these cocktails and that's really great, but it's also nice to have a space that's not that, you know, for people that need it. So I thought that was a really smart decision from you guys. Can you no, tell you. us Can you tell us about the name of your company? <laughs> of course. Um we get lots of questions about that and no I'm generally not too bitter and I'm certainly not a housewife, but um <laughs> it was a joke at my expense uh that turned into a business name. Uh I was actually um working on a blog that I thought I would uh turn into 
kind of a, a lifestyle um, business, potentially do some books um, on entertaining. And I made bitters as something to write about on the blog. Mm-hmm. And the blog was called On Becoming a Housewife, which was a little bit tongue in cheek of where I was at in my life at the time. Um, and when I made the bitters, I uh, was really surprised actually at how good they were. I figured it would be a fun project and go, that's interesting. Now I know a little bit more about bitters and move on. Um, but I got really inspired to make what I thought were the perfect bitters for an old fashioned, cause that's my favorite cocktail. Uh, so about six, eight recipes later, I landed on what I thought was perfect and, uh, was actually having old fashions with my husband and also business partner. Uh, and he, he said, do you, do you think we could sell bitters and, you know, make a business out of that? And I said, I have no idea, but we should call it the bitter housewife. And that was, that was it. We did a quick Google search and it was not taken and nobody had registered that as a business name and we were off to the races. So, And what so, year was that? Uh, that was in 2012. Uh, no, actually it was probably earlier than that. Um, that was probably around late 2010, early 2011, I think. So, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about bitters? What are they? Maybe somebody doesn't even know what bitters are. Yeah. So bitters are um, the simplest form. They're an extract or a tincture. Um, But most people are familiar with extracts in a single, you know, flavor like vanilla or almond. Um, But what the way that they're used in cocktails is as a seasoning. Um, just a few dashes to kind of bring harmony to your cocktail to um, blend the strong flavor of the alcohol, the sour of that little bit of lemon juice or twist, the sweet of sugar or a liqueur. And it, it really just brings everything into harmony and adds a little bit of depth and interest, um, just like adding some basil to a tomato soup. That was a beautiful description that you just gave us. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell you've had it. harmony. Uh, yeah, you've had a lot of practice probably from events and things. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I definitely have. I also, I come from a culinary background, so I think of it much more in terms of cooking than I do like really in in that more kind of geeky cocktail way. Um, which I think is uh, something that really has helped us in that that is something that a lot of people who are interested in cocktails can relate to a little bit easier than if I'm totally just coming from the bar standpoint. So, What did you do before you started the company? <clears throat> um, I have, I've been in the restaurant business. Uh, you know, my first job was behind the counter at a deli at 16 and um, I've had just about every job you can have. Um, and I also, but right before I was actually doing uh, marketing and PR for wineries and spirits companies um, and was not too thrilled where I was at, which was why I was kind of looking for something else, doing the blog and playing around and trying to figure out what is it that I want to do, although it never occurred to me to create a product, never. <laughs> so did you, there you are yeah, yeah did you um start by manufacturing in your home kitchen or did you go right into a shared use kitchen and tell us the story of your production um because I know you've moved a couple times yes we've we've moved quite a bit uh we did start uh at home uh a little bit um doing some stuff in our basement um, and then we pretty quickly realized that wasn't particularly feasible. So um, we actually uh, worked out of the kitchen at Chico um, on Division for a while in the very early days because they didn't do lunch service then, but they were open. And so we could use their equipment and do stuff during the day. And then we were out of their hair by the time they got, you know, geared up for dinner service. Um, and then as you know, that lasted maybe six months and we very quickly grew out of that and, and then moved into 
um, a couple very small shared kitchen spaces, like just, uh, you know, one or two other tenants in, in more of a warehouse situation. So <clears throat> communal kitchens don't really work for us very well because yeah. they're geared toward, they're geared toward making and getting food out the door. Like, you know, so there's big ranges that we don't use and there's no storage. And we're yeah. all about like put everything in the barrel and wait for a couple weeks. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're, I think I remember you guys coming and looking at, at the kitchen I used to have with a bunch of people at one point, and that always is an issue for shared kitchen spaces. If you need anything right. sitting around, you kind of have to move everything in and then move everything out. So it's really tough for somebody like you guys where you have to leave things. What did yeah, you end up doing? Um, well, so what has worked better for us is to really look more at a warehouse type space that has the ability to have a smaller production facility. But all we really need is a triple sink, a hand washing sink, and then a lot of space to do the bottling. Um, you know, so we don't need, we don't need any, you know, the, the small amount of cooking that we do is really just to make uh, sugar syrup to sweeten the bitters. So we do that on a, um, on a hot plate, you know, on a convection hot plate. So our induction and um, that makes, you know, in some ways makes it easier, but um, there's not a lot of equipment that we need. But on the other hand, it's such a unique space that to find that, that somebody else has already built out is also really odd. So one place we ended up going into used to be uh, a shop, uh, a candy maker. They were doing a uh, brittle out of there. And so they were moving out and we moved in. Um, and that was perfect because that's all they had. All of his equipment he took with him and, and we were, we were good to go. And we shared it with Elliot's nut butters. Um, so they were making peanut butter cause they have a, a similar, um, you know, don't need a lot of equipment. And actually fire brew was in our kitchen too for a while. So I visited that spot. Yeah. Oh, with the big one out and uh, we were By right the on the edge of Gresham. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I went there maybe, well, that was like, what, maybe 18 months ago? Is, uh, is that- I forget when we moved out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah so we moved out of there, I think about a year ago. So that would, that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. And then where are you at now? So now we have our own space um, over on North Williams. uh, And that is awesome. I love that neighborhood. Uh, Really um, lots of great local businesses, really supportive community. You know, a lot of folks came and knocked on the door when they saw new tenants were in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a, you know, it's a smaller warehouse, but there's offices up, up, above and it's um and there's enough you know space for us to have a small kitchen um just That's to do cool. the, the bitters yeah one of our other previous guests is just opening up a kitchen at thirty nine thirty six north williams which is that cute little yellow house with the red trim right we're actually right across the street from that yeah um Okay, so Elsie Dinville is going to be over there with Creole Me Up. She just moved all her kitchen equipment in there. Oh, awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Also, I know Peggy, who does the chocolate, so I'm glad she was able yeah. to find somebody to take that space. I yeah, you guys are going to have a little cluster of foodies right there. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that yeah. is really cool. Um, I wanted cool. To, I know you guys have won some awards, and Sarah and I were chatting about it before. Um, can you tell our listeners about the awards that you have won? Yes. Uh, so we um, probably the the most exciting year for us was 2018. Um, our cardamom bitters was uh, got a good food award, um, which yep. is awesome. I was there. And and then we won, um, we got a Sophie Gold at the Specialty Food Association, uh, the Fancy Food Show. And total surprise to us, we were also named Product of the Year at the Fancy Food uh, Show that year. And we, uh, we had Dan, neither Dan or I were there 
we actually had sent two of our employees because, and we didn't have a booth because they don't tell you ahead of time. And so, (laughs) and we were absolutely shocked because we're like a bitters product of the year. That's not going to happen. You know, I don't know cheese and chocolate and so many other things. So Um, that was awesome. And we were that just floored. Um, so that was, that was great. Um, last year we, um, we got a good food finalist for our orange bitters. Uh, and then when we launched the bitters and soda, um, that was in September of 2019, uh, within three months, Bednet Magazine had named us one of the best products of 2019 for the bitters and soda. So that also was awesome. We were uh, so honored to have recognition so quickly out of the gate with that. <clears throat> that is so cool. Congratulations. I just Thank have you. to tell you a story because I don't know if you know, but I was standing at your table um, when the awards were given out at the Sophie um, mm-hmm. mini trade show. And I think Dylan was there at the table and he's like, oh, no, we don't have a booth. I was, I said, come and yeah. stand at the Food Innovation Center. So they set up yeah. the trophies and we're at the Incubator Village for the rest of the show, which was really fun. Yeah, no, I know you guys offered us space and that was awesome. Yeah. And yeah. So Dylan and Susan stepped up and did a little sampling. And yeah, because, yeah, we totally did not expect it. So yeah, that was of course we went in January because you had to then you had to show off the trophies. Well, I mean, come on, it made us look really cool because we had all those (laughs) trophies in our. That was my selfish thing. I was like, oh, people from Oregon, they don't have a booth and they have trophies. I want them in my booth, so we really loved having you there. It was great, awesome. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of um, food shows like that? Uh, we don't. Um, you know, we've done the fancy food show a couple of times, uh, and we've done um, the good food mercantile. We've done most of those, um, and we did Expo West once, um, but with the the bitters and and we were making the syrups then too. That just uh, it's a wrong fit. I think we will go back to Expo West with the bitters and soda. That's a much better fit for that audience, but. Um, yeah, we don't do a lot of the big trade shows. Um, a lot of that is just, you know, you get enough action from one or two that we're small enough that that's enough to keep us busy, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get big enough that we need to keep going to them so that we can keep things moving forward. But um, I think that's good for people to hear, um, you know, for other makers that you don't have to do them all the time. That, in, you know, you can do them when you are looking to change or grow something new or have a new product that it doesn't have to be every year. You always do it. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think much. sometimes feel pressure, people feel pressure to do it and th- you know, they're very expensive. And so I think sometimes yeah. if it works for you or it makes sense, do it, but that you don't always have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is a struggle for us every year to decide, you know, because yeah. there's also that fear of, am I going to miss something? Am I going to miss that awesome deal or connecting with that investor or whatever that may be? But, um, you know, what it, it always comes down to us asking, you know, given how much it's going to cost us, what are we looking to get out of it? And how likely do we think that's going to be, you know, is, is it worth it? And, you know, you kind of got to do that on the spot gut check of, are we going to get what we need out of it? Or is that money better spent for other, you know, other projects on the business? I mean, just think of all the samples you could send out for the price of going to a food show. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or how many, you know, quick trips, like one to San Francisco, one to Spokane, one to LA. And just connect directly with the buyers might sometimes that's a better strategy. I was yeah, I mean about, about your yeah. distributors. You have DPI and Crown Pacific. We have a bunch of distributors, especially oh, with the the bitters, because it's such a it's such an odd product that goes into a bunch of different channels. So mm. um, we are distributed. Uh, we have worked with DPI with Raft and we probably will be signing up with them again. Uh, so they do, um, uh, 
they do grocery, but the larger chains. Yeah. We work with uh, here locally, Paradigm does new seasons for us and a few other small specialty grocery. Uh, and then we work with Crown, who mostly does Washington, and they, they got us into Safeway, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, but then we also work with um, Lucky Seven, who is, uh, does all of the liquor stores, but what they sell is mostly is soda, is non-alk. But they're in all the liquor stores because they do Red Bull. So that's a oh. great way for us to be there. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And then we also work with um, Par- or, sorry, uh, Point Blank, who is a beer distributor, because they're going into all of the bars and restaurants. So they sell our service size bottles. Um, and that's, you know, because that's just a, an entirely different sales cycle and more hands-on. And yeah, so it's something we've pieced together over the years and tried to, you know, had a lot of conversations about what's the right fit. Um, and we're, we're such an odd niche product that, uh, you know, we've, yeah, we've kind of pieced it together because I know some people use uh, distributors that are more specialty food like Provista or Chef yeah. Warehouse. Yeah. Um, that's how they get into uh, bars and restaurants too. Um, so Yeah. There's a lot of different ways when you're doing a a product that fits in a lot of different channels. <clears throat> yeah, it's cool that you have figured out how to um, get get into all of those places in all those different ways. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some of your flavors. Okay. Sounds yummy. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. And we are back. Genevieve, I wanted to ask you if you have, um, I know you have a few different varieties of flavors. Uh, Do you have Mm -hmm. a product that tells your story the best? Hmm, that's a good question. I haven't had that one before. (laughs) It tells our story the best. Um, Your first one? Yeah, well, it's I'm I'm torn between our first one, which is the old-fashioned aromatic bitters. Um, mm-hmm. That's where it all started. Um, but I think actually the orange might kind of tell our story the best in terms of um, we had uh, three other flavors before we launched the orange. We had the aromatic, cardamom, and grapefruit. And uh, my husband actually really wanted me to do orange because there people were asking for it. And I was resistant in the beginning because I'm like, well, there's a bunch of orange already on the market and they're good. So why do I want to put another one out there? And, uh, you know, he had an awesome point. I'm not always the, the business side of things. I'm very much the, you know, the... Um, the art and the flavor. Yeah. And he's like, but people want to buy a full line. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. So what I did then was I, I went to the meadow, which if nobody's ever been, is an awesome place to go. You can taste all the bitters. All they sell is bitters, salt, chocolate, and flowers. And I stood and tasted all the orange bitters that were there because they have most of the bitters that are on the market. And And I did actually see that there was a hole, I thought, in flavor, a way to to make an orange bitters that I thought would be really usable for people, really approachable, but still would have a different flavor profile than what was out there and wasn't just a copy. Um, And I think that is what is important to me. I want a flavor, I want all of our flavors to be easy to use. I want people to taste them and, and automatically think, oh, I know what to do with this. I know what to pair it with. Um, but I also, I want them to be my expression. I want them to be unique, not just a copy of everything else that's out there. 
Um, and so I set to work making, uh, making the flavor. And of course, then I also don't think of scaling up production. So um, we use fresh orange peel to this day still. Um, we don't use dried. A batch of orange bitters uh, takes about 26 cases of oranges that we peel <laughs> with a machine, but still it is one person peeling the oranges. <laughs> um, I saw all those oranges. In fact, I was wondering, do you ever eat the ones that you take out of the, I mean, is, can you eat that stuff? Or can you dry well, it peel, and make a snack? The peel, we've, I've never done anything with, because by the time we're done with them, there's, you know, they've been soaking in alcohol oh. and soaking in water and Probably so we don't, good. yeah, uh, but the fruit, we certainly, we've got all the fruit left over. And when we made syrup, we would, you know, we would turn that into juice and make the syrup. We don't do that anymore. So now we're actually trying to figure out how can we, you know, still use that fruit or can we give it to somebody else, food banks or whatever. But once an orange is peeled, it doesn't have a long shelf life. So you gotta, you gotta figure that out quickly. So Mm -hmm. do you guys have any ideas? Um, You know, (laughs) we're open to it. (laughs) Urban gleaners might take it. We have talked to them and they, they actually were interested and said that they might be able to do it. So yeah, we need to connect with them next time we do a batch. We're, also we're pretty the, good on orange for a while, but yeah, we'll be making a few more. kitchens downtown, they take lots of different stuff. We have from the Food Innovation Center, we call and they'll come take truckloads of whatever we have. So, hmm. Okay. And yeah. I, you mentioned um, wrapped syrups, and so I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you about that. So you guys used to make syrups through Raft, yes. right? Or was it through Bitter Housewife? No, it was through Raft. Raft was our brand. Uh, we actually didn't start the brand. We bought it from another uh, couple locally who had started about the same time we started the Bitter Housewife. Um, and they were, uh, we, you know, would do collaborations. We did a lot of the same shows and we actually were talking to them about doing a, a cocktail kit, um, that had bitters and syrup in it. Uh, cause William Sonoma was interested and mm. we wanted to partner and do that. And through the course of those conversations, they actually came back to us and said that, um, they weren't sure they wanted to continue making syrups and would we be interested in taking over the brand? And we said, yes. Um, so, and it did allow us to eventually get the the cocktail kits in the Williams Sonoma. So that was awesome. Um, but uh, we did, so then we took, we took raft and ran with it for God, close to four years. A long Maybe time. More than four years. Yeah. And you guys and, were like flip-flopping on your name. I remember well, people were saying, Bitter Housewife, that's so derogatory. But I think people actually like that name. No, they do. And we always kept the bitters as the Bitter Housewife. We never yeah. changed that. We did launch uh, Raft Bitters oh, okay. uh, in, a, in a very select market with a theory that um, people were not, we saw that people were not actually buying the bitters and the syrups together very often. Um, you know, we were getting data from some of our local stores like Market of Choice, and there wasn't that basket affinity. And so we wondered if that was because they were two separate brands. And we did a a test um, actually in the fresh market. We rolled out, um, so that's a southeast grocery chain, and we rolled out Raft Bitters and Raft Syrups um, to see if that would change it. And And it didn't. You know, people still... They like they gravitate either toward the syrups or the bitters. One one or the other makes more sense to them and how they're going to make cocktails at home. Um, and so that kind of also helped us figure out, you know, as we moved forward, what was the business that we wanted to build? And the bitters were always the closest to our heart and mm-hmm. and the product that we loved the most. So, yeah. um, you know, we threw it out into the into the awesome food community that is here in Portland to say, hey, is anybody interested in this brand? Uh, we weren't, you know, we were maybe going to sell it or we were just going to kind of, you know, not put any effort or energy into growing it and, and, you know, 
see what happened. Um, but another local producer was interested and she stepped up. It fit into the, um, her existing production. She makes, uh, jams. And, uh, so she took it over in June of last year. So oh, that I didn't allowed even us know that. to then focus. Which yeah, brand did yeah. it move to? Uh, so it's three little figs now. Owns oh. Raft, and she oh. still, she is still producing under the raft name, at least for now. That's and cool. yeah, and that allowed us then to focus just on the bitters. So yeah, it was a, you know, I, all in all, it was a great move for us and really, um, really allowed us to figure out what we wanted, you know, where we wanted the next step of the company to be. And that was the bitters and soda too. That's so. cool. Ooh, I wish and I had a soda right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find the um, bitters and soda locally? What stores sell it? Uh, it's at all the new seasons and uh, the market, all of the market of choices also. Um, I'm trying to think who else is still open that has it. Um, oh, also, if you're getting food delivery, Milk Run has been selling a ton of it. They carry it. Oh. So um, that's a great place to get it. Um, yeah. And then you don't even have to deal with all the weirdness that is now grocery shopping. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you're in new seasons or market of choice, we are, we're on the shelves. We just, um, actually just dropped off, uh, another order to one of the market of choice stores. So it's, it's moving. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about moving from, you know, doing your manufacturing of your bitters to then doing a beverage that's in a can. Did you guys have to buy new equipment or do you rent it or what does that look like? We uh, co-packed that. So um, at least to begin with, um, that's our plan. We um, made the base of the, so basically like a concentrate of the bitters. That's um, called the what was that's that? Called, that's called a throw. The throw. I have not yes. heard that, but yeah. Um, and we made that actually at Aria Distillery. We used their huge um, still because it was, we didn't have a, a tank big enough that we could have hot water in. Um, so we did that uh, to make the base and then we put it in totes and shipped it over to um, Let's Dream Big LDB Canning in um, Stevenson, Washington. And they then mixed that with water and carbonated it and they did all the canning for us. Um, and that was kind of how we were planning to move forward for the foreseeable future. Um, but we, with the whole COVID thing have, um, kind of, you know, it makes you assess all your business plans and your ability to adapt and be flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we are looking into making a, a smaller, um, kind of pilot canning, um, facility within, within our space. Um, That's a good idea that would allow us to just do like a couple hundred cases at a time. Um, and we would still get a mobile canner to come in, but we could make the base and we would be able to mix it with the water and carbonate it and do everything um, there. And the idea with that too, is that that doesn't exist in the Portland area right now. No. Um, and well, so we could then houses. work with, what was that? Yeah, Some of the cider houses have it. Some do, but a lot of them they're tied up because they're making their own stuff. So what yeah. we were hoping to do is then we can offer that to the folks who are doing craft sodas or kombucha or um, maybe even get a winery license and we can do some small canned wine runs and that kind of stuff and really treat it as um, more of a an almost incubator for small beverage brands. Like here's a way to be able to do small runs and be flexible and try new flavors and without the, you know, the huge overhead of having to do a thousand cases at a time, yeah. which is, you know, what, what exists right now. So um, we'll see if we can pull it off, but that's, that's the the hope and the dream at the moment. 
<clears throat> we have a can seamer at the Food Innovation Center. And mm -hmm. we can do really small runs of beverage, like 100 cans for people. So if you ever have a need for that, just give us a call. We can help you. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that could that could definitely be, you know, worth it just for, yeah, test, getting some samples in folks' hands and getting yeah. the immediate feedback. Yeah, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. We uh, we actually, when we were first doing the tests of the bitters and soda, we went down to um, Smith Tea Maker. Uh, they do the the crawlers of the of their nitro teas and stuff yeah and so we would come in with a little pony keg of our bitters and soda and use their canner and um to not the best success but you know mm. and you use what you can find <laughs> yeah I, that's the thing i love about our um portland maker community because you've mentioned all of these other businesses that you've been able to work with and be connected mm -hmm. to and we hear that a lot from people i know aria Jin has helped so many people kind of get started by letting mm -hmm. them use their facility and it's just so nice to have that support from everybody in the community yeah it is yeah it, it's, it's a really cool. great ecosystem for that for sure i have a question for you mm-hmm if you could pick a celebrity spokesperson for your brand, who would it be? Oh, God, there's a few, uh, there's a few names that kind of pop into my head, but that's a hard one. Um, the two that popped into my head were Ellen DeGeneres and Kristen Bell. Oh, <laughs> um, I think both because they're just, um, they're really just approachable, grounded people um, that everyone seems to like, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that's always like, we're, yeah, I, it's a funny question because I've never, you know, thought in those terms, <laughs> but. Um, have you, well, maybe now you have to send some to the ladies. <laughs> yeah, I think you should yeah. send them both sauce. <laughs> Usually people are pretty easy to find. If you find their like agent, they'll have you mail it to their agent and then they'll give it to them because like yeah. celebrities don't usually like to give out their addresses. But yeah. Right, of we've, course. We've done things like that in the past. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Start doing some cyber stalking and find it out. Yeah. 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 My and husband does can... that a lot with um, comedians because he listens to a lot of comedy podcasts and then like sends them stuff to show them that he appreciates, you know, their time because that's what he's listening to while he's working. But that's mm -hmm. how he has to do it a lot is he usually has to go through the agent. Oh, that's uh, cute. Yeah. Oh, you know, the one that popped in more because we found out that he is uh, sober and we thought just the irony of it all would be awesome for the bitters and soda is uh, John Hamm. Because um, we figured why not have the king of Mad Men be hawking the bitter housewife? Like, how perfect would that be? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's great. You have um, mentioned your husband a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, you know, Sarah and I both have businesses with our husbands as well. And so I just wanted to hear your thoughts about having a small business, working with your husband, having your family. Uh, what's that experience like for you? Um, I, you know, it's awesome. Honestly, I can't. I can't really picture how I, you know, doing it in any other way, but I think that's also because I haven't done it in any other way. Um, but Dan and I are um, pretty opposite in the way that we approach things and the way we think about things and, and our talent set. So that works really well. Um, he is a, leap off the cliff and build the airplane as he's falling type of person. And I'm a, you know, make the plans 20 different times before I even, you know, hammer the first nail. So, um, we, we meet in the middle as much as we can, um, drive each other crazy also with, you know, me not ready to move forward and him ready to dive in. Um, and then, you know, I, I do the, the flavor and the brand, um, and he, he just makes it go. He figures out how to get it on the shelves and how to get it off the shelves and who do we need to partner with. And yeah, and that's awesome. <clears throat> it is awesome. 
That's so cool. It's always cool to see you guys um, at things together because I think you have a really good rapport with each other and um, it's nice to see that. And and sometimes I see your son too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, we've got a, a five-year-old son, Dylan, who um, he tells us that when he grows up, he wants to be a bitter man, just like mom and oh, dad. No. And, <laughs> and he loves pouring samples. He won't try any of it though. That's the funny oh. thing. He wants, he doesn't like bubbles. So he does. He doesn't want to try the bitters in soda. He doesn't want to try the bitters in soda. He has no interest whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but he loves to give samples to everybody else. Yeah, we we got saddled. We're total foodies, and we got saddled with a kid who doesn't like anything but macaroni and cheese and pizza. And oh, oh it pains us. Oh, it's that's so how my daughter was. My husband and I fed her a lot of hot dogs when she was little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, he, he loves to help. And, and you know, the, actually the two of them are at the kitchen right now um, putting some orders together. Um, so, you know, he likes he likes going into work. And uh, we when we moved into the new office, there's actually an, an extra office that we don't really use an extra office space. And he's moved right in. He's like, this is my office. I need a chair. Where's the rolly chair? Oh. That's wonderful. It's great that you can bring them along on your family journey. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. we, we don't have too much time left. And so I was wondering if you have any advice for aspiring food entrepreneurs out there. Um, yeah. So I, the, and this actually comes from my husband. I think one of the, the things that, um, he was so adamant about making sure of from the beginning. And I think as what really has allowed us to grow is understanding um, where your product fits in the market and how it's going to get there. The distribution, even if you're not there yet, even if you're just selling at the farmer's market direct to consumers for the first couple years, where do you want to go with it and make sure that you are building in all of the margins that you need so that you price your stuff appropriately from the beginning. That's important. Um, because I've, we've seen so many people that have an awesome product and they're doing okay. And that first opportunity to get into larger distribution comes up and they're just floored because they're like, I'm not going to make any money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Margins. suddenly because they haven't worked it in and they didn't understand who needed to make what, you know, they didn't know that the the distributor was going to need a 20% markup. And then, then it's another 40% markup on the grocery store. So for them to sell at a certain point. So I think it's, taking the time to really think about where you want to go with the business, even if that's five, 10 years down the road, but consider it now. And it might Mm -hmm. be that you, you know, you can only sell direct for a while because you're not at the scale to, to get those margins. But as you grow, you see where you start to cut costs and then you start to have the room. And then you're like, I have the room now to bring in the distributor and I can, I can take that next step. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, you know, cause it's so sad to see people when they hit a certain threshold and they, they're ready to grow and they can't because they've already throttled themselves. Yeah. It's true. I think that's good advice for people because especially when you're starting out, you don't even really know to look at any of that. I mean, even I just started selling directly and then didn't even really have plans for wholesale. And then once I got into it, I was like, oh, whoa, my prices need to be a lot higher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you're small enough that you can make those those changes and nobody notices, but sometimes it's hard because you've already you know, establish yourself in a way and, and raising prices is always harder than lowering prices. So, That's so true, you know, <laughs> especially well, on food products. <clears throat> yeah. Genevieve, I'm so glad that you could join us today. We are Thank you. 
out of time, but we always want to encourage people to order from you directly so they can do that at your website, right? Yes. Yep. Thebitterhousewife.com. Perfect. So everybody go order and they will deliver to your homes while you're hanging out there. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. We're making our daily awesome. trips to the post office. So, yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you, Genevieve. Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious projects. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and our customers live and work. To find the Market of Choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketofchoice.com. At Market of Choice, we buy local, so you can too. And you can um, get Genevieve's products, the Bitter Housewife and Bitter Soda and Soda at Market of Choice. So go ahead and do that. We yeah. uh, record Missoni and Marshall live every week. So tune in Fridays at nine or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show or you have press releases for us, go to startupradionetwork.com and send us a message. And we will be here next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye for now. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.